0: You're listening to The Preppy Podcast, and I'm your host, Patricia May Olson. I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch and listen to past episodes at thepreppypodcast.com, and be sure to follow at thepreppypodcast and me, Patricia underscore May underscore Olson, on Instagram. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Preppy Podcast. This week I am talking with Ashley of Friend Lily Press, and we actually have some drinksters on the PreppyPodcast.com in collaboration with Friend Lily Press as part of my summer of preppy merchandise for the podcast. They are so cute. They're blue and green. Um, There's an espadrille, a hydrangea, the word preppy, and a sun hat. So definitely check those out. And we're going to talk to Ashley all about how she started her company, how it's grown, uh, what the challenges and triumphs have been along the way, and really get to know Ashley better. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And as always, remember to shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com. Subscribe and share this with your friends friends, rate and review the podcast wherever you listen, but let's get into the podcast now. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? So my
1: name is Ashley Withy. I am the co-owner and managing director at Friend Lily Press. I personally live in Winter Park, Florida, but our offices are located here in Maitland, which is a super cute suburb of Orlando.
0: I love Winter Park, and for those who have been listening for a while, we've had a few like Winter Park connections on the podcast. I know I've interviewed the ladies of the Grove, and then um, I think a few people went to Rollins College maybe. I can't think of – I think Teggy French, who we had on, she went there. Um, So I love love the area and obviously love your business because we uh, launched some drinksters collaborating with you guys recently. Um, So I'm excited to learn more about your business today. Yeah, absolutely. So excited to tell you guys. (laughs) So, you know, I always like to start at the beginning. So tell me about you as a kid. You as a child, like, were you creative? Were you someone that was always making things? Or maybe entrepreneurial, someone that was, you know, trying to to make a few cents and sell something as a kid? (laughs) So I was
1: definitely both of those things. My mom was actually one of the executive producers for the TV spinoff for H&R Block when Kiplinger Business and Financial was sold, and she was one of the editors for the magazine. So growing up in a business atmosphere was very prevalent in my childhood. And same thing, yeah, I was super creative. I did art classes. My grandfather was an artist. He was the VP of sales for um, Folgers Coffee his entire career. And in Mm -hmm. retirement, he became an artist and painted. And he would have me come into his little studio every weekend and just kind of sit with him. And he'd show me his paintings. He would show me how to draw things, which is very funny because of my whole family, I'm pretty sure him and I were the only artistic people.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's sounds so dreamy though. Like it sounds like a Nancy Myers movie, like going in and watching your grandfather paint on the weekends.
1: <laughs> they were super cultured people. They, um, so fun little fact, my grandmother, and I don't need to tell people this story. You'll be like the first person I've ever told this story oh. to like on public. Um, my grandmother was first cousins with Frank Sinatra and oh. she grew up and became a prima donna they grew up together they were very very close their whole life and i still have like some family connections you know it was definitely a smaller side of the family but so her whole life was just traveling she was you know best friends with like princess grace she you know would show up to all these celebrity parties it she just lived this very glamorous life so i definitely feel very influenced by not only her lifestyle but you know everything in their home was meant to, like, cultivate art and creativity and thought. And it was very, very crucial, like, in those early
0: developmental years. Oh, my gosh. That is such a cool fun fact. That might be, like, one of the favorites that I've heard on here. I love Frank Sinatra music. And actually, our dog Marty is named, like, he has a tie with Marty O'Brien. Like, I think that was his boxing name and uh, the bar maybe that he had. So we named Marty after that and then Miles, Miles Davis. Um, so that oh is so God. cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> wow. what a, Like, that's so funny. Um, and she sounded so glamorous then. I mean, what a life and, um, you know, someone to admire for sure. And I'm sure their house was just so magical, like you said.
1: It was. So... Yeah, we uh, we spent a lot of time there. She had these beautiful, like, in her living room, she had this, you know, mind you, she had very tall ceilings in her living room, of course, and she had this, like, 24-carat lace gold wedding dress that she had brought back from her, from Asia, and, like, the whole house. Like I said, it was like walking through a museum, except she actually oh. let me touch things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How cool. Oh, my gosh. So that had to have, you know, inspired you throughout your life and even still today it sounds like. But when it came time for college then um where and what did you end up studying? Was it something creative that you went right into? So
1: because my mom had that background in journalism, I always thought I was going to be an editor for a magazine. That was kind of the path my entire childhood. And when I got to college, I let a lot of people talk me out of that goal. You know, everybody told me how print media was dead and I wasn't going to have a successful career if I went that route. And I just like wasn't here for it. (laughs) In hindsight, I wish I wouldn't have let people influence me so much just because I do still very much enjoy writing. But I ended up changing my minor to my major and did graphic design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to both UCF and Full Sail to get that degree. And then I later went, while well, I was not living in Texas, went back to college to get my master's in marketing. But unfortunately, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I got so busy with work that I ended up not completing it. So.
0: Oh, my gosh. So interesting. I mean. So that makes sense, though, the graphic background then um, to what you do now. But what was your first career then, like right after you were studying? So,
1: well, just to backtrack a little, when I was in college, I actually was a bartender, which a lot of people don't know either. Um, I was an assistant bar manager and bartender, so kind of leads into, you know, obviously, the product line the now, drinksters after, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but after college, I kind of wanted to get a feel of everything I wanted to do. So, I was working nonprofit. I my mom later in life ended up opening a nonprofit organization for children down in South Florida. Um hmm. she's down in Jupiter, Florida. And um I decided I wanted to give that a try. So I was working nonprofit for Susan G. Komen when I was out in Texas. I came back to Orlando with the intention of like selling a bunch of things and moving out to Texas full-time and just kind of settling down there and then ended up getting a job over at an advertisement agency here in Orlando, which is where I actually ended up meeting my husband. So, you know, yeah. typical typical story, you know, couldn't have written something more stereotypical, but I married my boss essentially. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's still there, <laughs> but um, oh I decided to step away at some mm-hmm. point, and I um, was working corporate. After that, I worked for what is now Marriott Vacation Ownership. Um, it was right during the time of like their buyout with Marriott. So mm-hmm. I did it all with, like the client facing hotels. So I was doing in house pieces, client facing, opening hotels around the world. It was it was fun. It was just not as fun as I anticipated it to be. Mm. I'm sure um, it was
0: tiring too on top. Like it seems it fun, was. but then it's also exhausting traveling.
1: Well, it didn't have so much. The, the traveling was all internal, surprisingly. Okay. <laughs> I wish they would have sent me to Hawaii to open up those hotels. Like Nothing like <laughs> branding a restaurant at a hotel in Hawaii, and it's like planning it from in, inside of an o- corporate office building in Orlando <laughs> with no windows. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> It was a lot mentally, like, and I just decided it just really wasn't where I was finding joy. Um, My husband was like a big advocate. He's like, you you have to quit this job. So eventually, you know, my path changed and I ended up in the path that
0: I'm in now. That is so cool. I mean, it makes sense. I feel like thinking about, you know, graphic and marketing and all of that, of what you do now and even with working with hotels, it sounds like, because a lot of uh, your motifs and stuff, I think, are sort of like fun and travel and vacation inspired. Um, I'm just thinking some of your summer drinksters that I've seen on your website. So I think, you know, our past experiences definitely influence where we are today in so many ways. Absolutely. So tell me about then, okay, when you when you left there um, and starting your own company, like how did that go? What was that moment where you thought, hey, like I can do something on my own? And what was that first like product or, or idea?
1: So I always had the goal of doing stationary. Um, I think like a lot of girls in graphic design, I was like, oh, I want to do greeting cards and I want to do this and that and stickers and fun, cute things. Um, but I didn't really have a, a game plan set into place. And then I ended up leaving. Like I said, I left my job that I was at working in the corporate world. And I took some time off. It was like, right around the time of my son being born. And I just wanted to be a mom for a while. So I did that for a couple years. And I was just like, I I can't do this anymore. Like, I need to be working. <laughs> I mm-hmm. I enjoy working way too much to be stuck at home. So I knew I wanted to do something, and I saw it as an opportunity between that and we had a a really good social media following because we had art pieces that we had done in the community. We had some murals that were painted around town in our free time, things like that. So there was kind of a calling for us to do more products, and I just took it as an opportunity. So we ended up rebranding. We were doing freelance work graphic design uh, for clients, and then we ended up rebranding in 2019 into Friendly but of course it was like end of 2019 so covid was uh really put my plans on halt <laughs> it wasn't too bad cuz obviously like at that time i was doing a lot of freelance stuff so it wasn't affecting our income but it definitely affected the growth and then in the end of 2020 was when i decided like to really like okay i have to buckle down i have to do this like i i want to do this and i'm if i can't do something it's never going to happen So, um, yeah, ironically, I listened to a podcast in the end of 2020 when I was in the middle of launching all of these products, getting ready for January, and it was super discouraging. I tell people this all the time. Like, it was the worst podcast in the world. (laughs) It was – (laughs) It was so bad. They had a guest on the on the show, and I won't say who it was, but the guest on this show was a very prominent person in her industry and in the world that I'm in, and where wholesale is concerned. And she was talking Mm -hmm. about how, you know, essentially you can't be successful in wholesale unless you have a sales representative. And it's very difficult to get a sales reps because they just don't pick anybody off the street. And you know, talking about her journey and how difficult it was for her to find a rep. And at the time I had never even heard the term sales representative. So like, Mm -hmm. of course, like I'm cleaning my house, listening to this podcast and come around the corner to my husband, just like ugly crying to him. Like, I'm (laughs) never going to make it. And then I just, you know, I'm very stubborn. So like it was Probably an emotional roller coaster just as much for Rhett as it was for me because I went from being very upset and crying to like very angry and pissed off and then super determined and probably – I don't specifically remember, but I'm sure I ended up working through the night that night because I was just like there is no one path to success and nobody can tell me I can't be successful (laughs) except me. And we – I must have manifest something because I swear it was like – a month later I got signed with our first sales representative. Wow. <laughs> it was really quick. Like we were we barely had product to market. We were selling only in Orlando. And then one of my stores was like, Let me introduce you to somebody. And we signed that day. And she was a huge part of our growth just because like she really held my hand and taught me a lot in those early days, which was really important. Cause as you know, wholesale is just it's such a beast and there's so much gatekeeping in that industry.
0: Definitely. Okay. That is so fascinating. And so my first thing I want to ask you then right now is for someone listening to this, just getting started or thinking about getting started, the opposite of that podcast, like what advice would you give instead?
1: Um, in terms of like the steps, in to terms of your own like business-
0: Yeah, or how she, like, kind of put this cloud over you for a little bit, but then you powered through. Like, what would you say instead, like, to someone listening or getting into wholesale maybe?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would tell them to find what they want to do and just really lean into it, push into it. You have to really not only believe what you're doing, but – enjoy it. I, I actually was listening to another podcast the other day and same things the owner was talking about, how like you shouldn't tell people that you're starting a business for like the first year, which sounds super excessive, but like the more she talked about it, I'm like, that's great. Cause it, she was right. You tell people what you're gonna do and people are gonna talk you out of it. They're gonna tell you that there's not a market for it, that the big guys are gonna push you out of the way, that it's gonna take too much of your time and money. Like, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in the product you're selling or you're not going to be successful doing it. So as long as you
0: love what you do, you're going to find buyers. Mm-hmm. And don't listen to the noise or the naysayers. Like exactly, I, I'm of the same mindset. I'm like, you can do anything you set your mind to. Like as long as you believe in it and you put in the work, then you can achieve it. Like no matter who you are or where you're from, I think as long as you have that work ethic and that go-getting attitude and kind of you know just power through, then you can do it. Absolutely. Okay, so back then, to launching Friend Lily, at that first um, market or you know, first launching the the new business, the rebrand, what were some of those first products you launched with?
1: So we started launched with like stationery, some stickers. We had like two drinkster sets at the time that were all Orlando themed, and. um Oh my goodness, I can't even remember. It's been so long. But, anyways, so our sales rep was the one that she's like, This is the product. This one right here, you need to lean into this more. And I loved that line. I wanted to do more with it, but I really wasn't sure how to expand it. Um, and she just told us, She's like, You just got to put everything out there. So we did. We, she, like I said, we signed with her in January and did our first show in Atlanta of all shows. So, of course, um, that June. So between okay. January and June, we essentially made like 500 new SKUs for the catalog, made a catalog, got everything photographed, did several photo shoots. It was it was a very extensive process and all at the same time like we were growing so much in a short amount of time between January and June before we even got to the show, we moved from one staff member helping me out of my house to a team of almost 20 people into our now 6,000 square foot warehouse in Maitland.
0: Oh my goodness. And so when you say January to June, was that 2020 or 2021? 2021. Okay, got it. So what do you think um, sort of put you at that? You know, accelerated success rate. It sounds like was it really? You think having that rep who you know got you to buyers, but also it sounds like she sort of mentored you and gave you some great advice um, in regards to product and kind of how how to um, decide what to do and present it.
1: Yeah, I mean, in our case, I think she was very helpful, especially with presenting the product to buyers. I mean, I feel bad saying that because I'm literally the person that says there's no one path to success, and then I. Ended up following the same thing that that girl told me that I wasn't <laughs> going to be able to do, <laughs> but there are other paths to success. There's there's different wholesale portals. There's cold calling. You can set up your own wholesale website and wholesale to people. I mean, even today we have our own wholesale website, so we direct customers to that website in addition to other ways that we market the brand. So, I think obviously in our case she was a big help, and just in terms of the amount of growth in a short amount of time, but. I think I was just so persistent, and and I'm going to say destined as you know, <laughs> humble as that sounds, that this was going to be a success. Okay, there was no other path. This was was going to happen, and I am too stubborn to accept
0: anything differently. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that attitude. Um, okay, so you know, you had this great success, then. How has your brand changed since then? You know, I know it's only been a few years, but tell me about Friendly Lily today, and and what's different about it, and what what you guys offer and sell and have.
1: Yeah, so people always ask what the press is in Friendly Lily press, and honestly, like there's very little press. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> everything that we do is essentially barware lifestyle, and we've really grown that over the years. So, as you know, like we have the the beverage mixing stick line, but that's expanded. Those are now available in five different sizes. So we sell the four-piece drink stars, the six-piece p- six-piece garnish pick sets,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the 12-piece charcuterie food pick sets, the 12-piece bento box size, which we just launched this summer, and the pitcher mixer size. And the whole idea is that you're creating like an entire tablescape. And then we've also added in custom glassware. We added in the charcuterie boards. We're, we're constantly working to bring in new things and just trying to kind of fit the philosophy of our brand. So one thing I always say is that friendly is an adverb. It means to do things in a friendly way. So we try to apply that philosophy not only to, like, our internal practices, but also the types of products that we're launching to people. So the whole concept has to revolve around, like, how do we bring people together? How do we make something that's fun and unique and special, but, like, also, like, sparks conversation and sparks
0: joy? So... I love that. And especially your garnish picks. Um, I got them during the holidays for the first time. And I think the ones that I ordered, they were like little pink gingerbread men that were sparkly. And everyone oh loved gosh, them I'm at really my so Christmas cute. party.
1: Did anybody ask like if one was broken with a little gingerbread with a broken arm?
0: No, I think they all understood that it was <laughs> okay, the, good. You know, the gingerbread You would be surprised
1: man his- <laughs> how many people see that and they're like, is this one broken? And I'm like, no, it's a gingerbread with its arm bitten off. <laughs> yes,
0: Oh my gosh, but they it's true. They spark conversation, they they bring people together and put a smile on someone's face and I personally am not a cook, but I'm a great entertainer in the sense that I I love, you know, to to host and entertain and bring people together and create something beautiful for people to look at.
1: Yeah. And that's the nice thing. They're just, they're so versatile. Like we always say, like they're good in hot and cold beverages. Like there's not an age cap. You can use it for decoration at a kid's party. You can, my husband uses it in his morning coffee. My son likes to use them in his hot cocoa with his marshmallows or his chocolate milk. And, you know, I like to even upcycle mine and stick them in my plants because they're just so cute.
0: That's such a cool idea. I didn't think of that. Yeah. We'll add a little decoration to the house. (laughs) (laughs) So where do you find inspiration? Like when it comes to design um, for adding new categories or maybe a new, a new theme or anything, like where are you getting inspiration from? What inspires you? So we talked about how like my background was like marketing and advertising
1: and graphic design. So I like to think that I'm really good at trend forecasting. I am pretty much determining what's going to be trendy for the next year by, October where I'm like sitting down and I'm like okay and honestly I should be doing it even sooner but I I do a lot of trend forecasting in short but other than that because we offer our customers the ability of doing custom designs on our wholesale level we get a lot of inspiration from them too so Mm -hmm. we might do something that is you know completely different than we ever thought would be possible. And we do it and they love it. Like, for example, like our pickleball set, I started doing pickleball almost two years ago because I had a customer that just saw that that was going to be a trend. And now it's one of our best sellers.
0: wow. That's super smart. I think – Relying on your customers for inspiration and asking them like not being afraid to ask them like, "Hey, like what are you looking for, or what if they're a shop owner, what are your customers coming to you and shoppers coming to you looking for, and trying to fill that void or um you know give them something different or something that that they are looking for is so smart,
1: yeah, and they love it, they want to be involved in the process, they want to be a part of your journey, especially if you're in those starting stages because they want you to, especially if it's a local business, they want you to succeed as much as they want to succeed.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, you know, with a background um, in sort of advertising and marketing and graphics, what's been your best form of getting the word out, would you say? Is it like getting into stores and having them kind of advocate for you and sell the product? Because that's a lot of people that I interview. I think some people really rely on their wholesalers to spread the word and others you know, lean more heavy into the traditional like social media and that sort of aspect. So in the beginning, it
1: was definitely that where it was like word of mouth and this store is recommending us to this store and this person. But honestly, I am just a firm believer that you just don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So there's not really one perfect form. It's just a matter of always doing a little of everything even if you're not doing it 100%, you just, you'll still get people. You know, Advertising, where advertising is concerned, how you market to people changes every year. If you are doing something one year and it's super successful for you, it might not work the next year just because mm-hmm. how we communicate with each other is constantly changing. So from our level, like, Social media is important, obviously. We do a lot of cold calling, not only by, like, email, but we'll actually send physical cold call samples or postcards to try and get people's attention just because mm. their emails get so bombarded with emails. It's something that's physical and in their hand. Um, email you marketing. That with
0: stores or direct
1: to, like, customers? Okay. Yeah, we have um, – am I allowed to say a bad word on here?
0: <laughs> yeah, you can.
1: Okay, so <laughs> we have- <laughs> So we have a Google Doc that we call our bad bitch marketing form. <laughs> oh, that's not that bad of a word. I was like, wait, okay, I know. I just this. wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we keep a list that we're constantly updating and it has thousands of stores that we would just love to sell to and we that. add them onto our list whenever we have downtime or like so-and-so is looking for work to do in the office, like, hey, add to the bad bitch marketing form. And then um, our accounting team is actually sending physical postcards to those stores and then they move it to a master list after that. But so we're constantly looking for people to market to. And like I said, we have a lot of versatility because we're just so cross. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just we. so many industries apply to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We sell yeah. to corporate gifting. We sell to boutiques and, you know, both gift and apparel. Um, We sell to golf courses, spas, casinos, museums. It's, we do events all the time. Like my son's school, for example, just last year, like did a bunch of sets that were custom with the school's logo for their gala event for fundraising. So we're, um, we're lucky in that sense. I know that not every business is that way where they're so cross-industry.
0: Definitely. But I think I love what you said there about having this special list. And I think that can be applied to any industry, like having a list of, you know, your goals and your reaches of people to reach out to, and then actually doing something with it. Like everyone's in division boarding and I, I totally get the purpose of that, but then doing something with it too, not just putting it out in the universe, but executing oh, it. I love that.
1: Like you can't just make like Trust me, I'm your main girl for manifesting, but (laughs) you can't just say you want something and not put the work in to get it. So, yeah, we, you know, my mom always taught me because, like I said, she came from a business background and she actually taught people how to run businesses as her profession. um, That the second that you start, stop marketing yourself is the second that business stops. And that's unfortunately what happens a lot of time to people is that they market themselves really, really well and then they get busy, so busy that they stop doing anything and then, you know, two or three months later, sales drop off and they're like, what happened? And it's like, well, you did, were you marketing yourself while you were busy or did you just hope that it was going to keep the steam going itself?
0: Yeah, definitely. And that relates back to what you said earlier about kind of dabbling in a couple of different forms of marketing, because, yeah, you know, Facebook was the only place to market, I feel like, 10 years ago. And now it's like, you know, you need to be on TikTok, you need to be on Instagram, you need to be doing your um, emails to customers. Like, there's so many different things. So you have to, you have to stay on top of that and the trends to, to still be relevant and getting in people's um, inboxes or on their feed.
1: Oh, for sure. I pretty much just set up like a day every week where it's dedicated to marketing. So, generally, we have like marketing Monday and inventory Wednesday. <laughs> but, but I'll do exactly that, like where me and a couple members from our staff just sit down and we're like, okay, what's the social media plan? What's the email blast plan? Like, who are we sending postcards out to today? What are we doing this? What are we doing that? So, and then also like we're fo- talking to the reps and we're planning for shows. So,
0: we do. Um, we definitely are constantly doing things. So smart. Now, what's your greatest challenge? Like in terms of business, What what's the hardest part for you, would you say? Definitely the growing pains. Like I said, it was from
1: zero to a thousand in uh, overnight for us. You know, we we've definitely struggled with growing pains. You know, it, it costs a lot of money to run a business and it's you know every business is going to talk to you and tell you how successful they are and how great they're doing and it happened overnight and it's like it's not that's not really the transparent truth like mm-hmm. it takes a lot of money to operate a business and growing is hard especially in the wholesale industry because when you start working with these big stores they requ- they have a lot of terms to work with them you know yeah. we did our first francesca's order that summer that very first summer in right. atlanta and like I said, we had just moved into a warehouse, which was a huge expense for us to take on. We bought, we had just bought some new machinery, and our machinery was hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they don't give loans to new businesses because either you're too young of a business, mm-hmm. or if you want to do a loan, you're essentially taking on a predatory loan. Like I think they quoted us like 36% interest on the equipment, even though like oh, we God. had excellent credit yeah. and it was just like nuts. So it was, it was definitely a challenge. Like Francesca's, I mean, it was like an $80,000 opening order, which is fabulous for a business, but they, they want it fast. So we had a three week turnaround time to fulfill that order. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And they have a lot of terms that you have to abide by. Like their vendor agreements are like an 84 page vendor agreement. Mm -hmm. And there, there are penalties, like financial penalties that can happen to you if you don't fulfill within their rules or in the, within their timeline. Mm-hmm. So we had to fulfill that order very quickly. We had to cover the upfront cost of not only the material to fulfill that order, but we essentially had to shut down production on every other order during that initial timeline because we needed the staff. We were running equipment 24-7 for three weeks to fulfill that order. Wow. and. Then on top of that, bill had to have been insane. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes, it already is, but yes, even more so then. But we, um, we got it done, but then it was 90 day terms. So, you know, it's three months later before we're even getting paid for essentially mm-hmm. giving up three weeks of operations. So yeah. from a small business side that can, you know, if you don't have the cash flow already available, that those are the type of orders that can put small businesses out of business.
0: Definitely. Now looking back, would you take it and would you do it all over again? Like for someone listening, who's like, Oh, these big stores, like that's a dream for me. Um, What advice would you get? Like, would you be like, it was so worth it, like a 1000% I'd make it work again?
1: I definitely learned things and we've applied that to customers nowadays. You can ask big accounts to pay upfront or at least even a deposit Mm upfront, which I would definitely recommend because at least that helps cover your expenses. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course I would do it again. I mean, I always tease that like Callaway will, (laughs) people always say like, oh, you want Callaway to take over the business one day? And I'm like, no, I don't want Callaway to be an entrepreneur. I just, I want him (laughs) to find a stable job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but no, I would do it again, but I'm also a little crazy. so
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, That's really good advice. And, you know, advocating for yourself and not being afraid to ask, you know, maybe you could have asked them that first time, like, hey, you know, can I get uh, a fourth of this at least up front or something? Um, so that that's great advice for someone listening.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that people get into business, small businesses starting up tend to get intimidated by mm-hmm. like the appeal of this larger company that wants to order from them and they're afraid to ask for exceptions or for, you know, hey, can you do this for me or can you extend a timeline? Like all the worst you can do is ask and they say no.
0: Yeah. So sure. I
1: wouldn't be afraid of like making sure it works within your means because you should not let a big business put you out of business.
0: Mhm. That's so great. So well said. So, um, on the flip side to challenges, then, what's been the most exciting part so far? Like a pinch me moment? Oh my gosh, just so many. I mean, in since we launched,
1: I mean, we've been featured in multiple publications. We've been, you know, interviewed for multiple different things. I know that, like one that we talk about in the office all the time is like we were actually in the. Better Homes and Gardens Harry Styles edition, which was really (laughs) fun because we were picked as like one of favorite things type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that was really fun, and we definitely boast about that all the time. Obviously, our first key account order with Francesca's was was very exciting because Mm -hmm. it kind of solidified what we were doing. And then, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like every day is a surprise here. Like every day, I'm like we're on cloud nine. And then something more crazy happens. And I'm like, we're farther up cloud nine. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if there's really one moment. It's just a collaborate. That's not even the right word. But there's lots of good moments happening. And I just don't ever want
0: it to stop. (laughs) So well put. I love it. Um, what about a dream customer? If you could pick anyone to, you know, have your stirs on their bar or throw a party with all of your pieces, who would that be?
1: So I think my staff, because they're primarily younger girls, would be mad at me if I didn't say Taylor Swift, um, (laughs) (laughs) just because we play Taylor Swift music in the office all the time. And like her demographic, like her fan base is definitely like our key demographic. And just Mm -hmm. obviously there's so much reach to be available there, you know? It would uh, would be definitely fun, you know, be fun to have that scene shared or do a a little collaboration project or have products available for like concerts, but maybe one day you never know.
0: I love it. You got to put it out there. (laughs) Exactly. This is me putting it into the universe, guys. (laughs) Um since this is the preppy podcast I always ask everyone what does preppy mean to you Um first of all it sounds like your grandmother was very fabulous and maybe a little preppy so <laughs> Oh yeah she's like the OG Tina Sari vibes like um what's
1: the what do they say the um grand millennial grandmother style like she was living that 30 years ago so I love it (laughs) but yeah I mean you know like I said I grew up in Jupiter which is like preppy you know capital of the world and everything down there you know between Lily Pulitzer and just like coastal vibes very much fits that lifestyle But I I don't know, I've always thought like preppy is this beautiful combination between like living elegantly, but also like living authentically. You know, most people Mm -hmm. think that there's maybe some phoniness to, you know, a preppy lifestyle. But I think otherwise, I think it's just showing that you're presenting yourself with both class, but also like you're living your life in full color, like you're not afraid to like express yourself, not just like how you live in terms of like how your home is decorated, but how you present yourself openly to the world. And if any, I mean, Patricia, obviously like, you know me in person, so mm-hmm. you know, like I I feel naked if I'm not wearing a very colorful dress and a very <laughs> over the top headband. And yeah. my staff would probably say the same thing. Like seeing me in
0: jeans is is very strange. I love that I know I'm like I lean more and more into dresses these days like I feel like I email you
1: or like I message you on Instagram all the time I'm like hey send me some links for dresses
0: yes oh my gosh I love it yes I'm a total dress girl they're so classic and perfect it's the way to live (laughs) it's truly the way to live Yeah, for sure. And a headband is so easy, especially on like a bad hair day or when you don't have time to to pull it together. Um, It just elevates any look for sure.
1: Well, you just like – it's such an easy ensemble to just look like you have your life together even when you don't feel like you have your life together. But Mm -hmm. when people meet me, I want them to know who I am and like feel like they've known me forever in that first five minutes. And obviously, I do live a very like preppy lifestyle. Like – My home is very pink, and this is, like, pre-Barbie movie pink. Um, (laughs) And then – but, like, I I don't know. Like, I want my – like, the inside of who I am to be reflected on the outside. So, yes, very authentic living.
0: Yes, pink's the happiest color.
1: (laughs) It is. It is the best color, and I will literally fight anybody that disagrees with me. Yes,
0: a thousand percent. I love how it's, like, living in its full potential moment right now with the Barbie movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what's your best seller on your website and then what's your personal favorite? So best seller, best sellers
1: depend, definitely depends on the audience, but overall like our realtor sets are very popular, especially with like the real estate Mm -hmm. agents or like the stores that are buying city specific sets for like their local realtors because we'll do customization with those. But otherwise like balloon dogs smiley faces and of course pickleball is just like all the rage and everybody wants it and I can't like our warehouse is constantly pushing out pickleball sets. Um, But other than that like collegiate lines always really popular. We have the celebration line which people are always looking for different things for different life events and then our seasonal line because as you said like You just you're going to be festive during different holidays and you want to decorate the table. So Mm -hmm. but my personal favorites are probably like the 90s kid because it has like the surfers S and the Tamagotchi and I just I vibe with it. (laughs) And then there's the 1970s set which has like the the disco dancer and the disco ball and it's just it's really fun.
0: I love that. You have so many different themes, which is why I love your brand too. For like any party, no matter if I'm having a 70s party, if I'm having a pickleball party, I'm having a holiday, I can find something that fits this theme and um, plays into it on your website, which I love.
1: <laughs> exactly. There's, there's over 500 of designs in our catalog as of right now. And like I said, those are available in five different sizes. So exactly. Like there is literally something for everyone. And if there's not, people will message me anyways and ask me to make it. So,
0: I'm here for it. <laughs> what about your favorite vacation destination? So, we are
1: a big cruising family. And that probably sounds really lame because, like, pre-married life, like, we would be – I'd be in Europe and I'd be like, oh, France and Italy and all these different places, like, overseas, <laughs> which I love. Um with a five year old traveling worldwide, like I know for some people it's easy, but like I have a psycho child <laughs> that I don't know <laughs> if they could take him. I would be really nervous. One, because like he talks to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like he's everything that they tell you not to have your child doing, where he's just overly, f- he's me. He's me in many <laughs> form. He is so friendly and so sweet. And like stranger danger is not in his vocabulary, even though we've told him a zillion times. Um, but we do cruises a lot because of that fact, because I know that he really can't go anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so he's somewhere on the boat. <laughs> he's somewhere on the boat. <laughs> Stick an air tag on the kid. He'll be fine. <laughs> but oh <my> gosh. <laughs> we we cruise a lot and I, um, I get obviously most excited for any trip that stops in St. Thomas because I buy all my jewelry down there and I get really excited to go jewelry shopping.
0: Oh, that sounds so nice. Well, and I feel like living in Florida though, that's like a nice vacation destination in itself. So I'm sure. It's just so easy. Like we're less than
1: 30 minutes from the Cape. So like we can just schedule a trip whenever we really want to go, even if it's just like a weekend.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, of course I have to ask you what your go-to drink order is because you have drinksters. So what's your go-to?
1: Okay, so I have a recipe that I make at home, and I will share it with you guys. Uh And when I go to a restaurant, I just get a variation of a drink that exists. So my favorite at-home drink, we call it a watermelon splash in our office, and our staff loves it. But it is Sprite, Malibu, and Watermelon Pucker, and it kind of sounds like a Sour Patch Kid. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I go to the bar, I'll ask them for a Dirty Shirley, and I just ask them to replace the vodka with Malibu.
0: Oh, I love this. I'm going to have to try, try this. Really it sounds – both of them sound so good and, like, they sound like a vacation destination on their own.
1: <laughs> very. I mean, I'm just – I like sweet drinks. Like, yeah. I really wish I could be, like, a, a red wine, like, you know, even a white wine girl. Like, if, if, I'll drink Moscato, but I just okay. I can't. Like, I'm, so you do like sweet. I, I think I bartended for so
0: long that, like,
1: I almost actually have a slight aversion to certain alcohols.
0: That's so funny. Oh my well, that makes sense then how you came up with this concoction. Going back to your bartending days, you know how what yeah. like will mix well together to make a delicious drink. It's like sweet and sour and I love it. Oh, I feel like my best friend would like it too, because she loves like any sour candy. So <laughs> Oh then yes, absolutely give this to her. What about a resource for business advice? Like a podcast besides this one or a book or a newsletter or website? Like where do you go for business advice that you can recommend?
1: So I definitely think it depends where, like what stage you're at in starting Mm -hmm. your business. So one that was recommended to me in my early days, and it can be a good one. It can be a bad one. It's just one of those things you have to try, but there's a program called SCORE, just S-C-O-R-E, where you can actually get paired with a mentor from like different industries and different types of businesses. Um, and it's great because they give you a lot of, you know, beneficial business advice, but obviously mm-hmm. you have to make sure your, your mentor is somebody that's going to be beneficial to you. Um, but I always just say like, you know, I get advice from everybody, even, even today. Like I, I tell people, tell people all the time, like the day that you think you know, everything is the day that you know, nothing. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly looking for ways to learn how to run my business more efficiently. So I just talk to people, you know, we go to markets and I talk to other businesses and I talk to the store owners in my area. Like everybody has something that it might not always work for you, you and your business structure, but there's probably something that you can take away from it. And it's just gathering all that information. But otherwise, other than that, like, you know, Skillshare exists and I use Skillshare a lot in the, at the beginning for certain types of things, mostly more from like um, the social media aspect because, you know, okay. SEO is a beast of its own. But um, I do. I listen to a ton of different bod- podcasts like Obviously, I love your podcast, Patricia. <laughs> um, we talked yeah. about that before we started. Um, the The Gold Digger podcast is really great. Yeah. I listen to that a lot. A lot. If you're in the wholesale sector, um, Boutique Hub is really great. Yeah. I just got turned on to that one recently. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, there's just so many. I mean, I don't think you can really go wrong. I mean, if people are putting information out there, like, like I said, there's definitely something that can be taken away. And just don't feel like you have to do everything they say. Like I said, there's no one path to success. And I would also say be very hesitant of anybody that says don't do something because I don't know, I just, I, I I even tell my new mom friends that like, if somebody tells you don't get something for your baby, like, you decide if you want that for your baby. You don't tell anybody that you shouldn't get something. Like, yeah, you do. You you yep. you have to decide. You if you want to be a successful business owner, you have to be willing to make decisions for yourself. And if even if it means upsetting somebody because you didn't follow their advice to
0: a T, mm-hmm. that's great advice. And those are all great resources too. I love Boutique Hub as well. Um, I think it's just so helpful. She interviews great people and has great advice too. So anyone you know in the wholesale space or um, looking to get into that—that's super helpful. Yeah. What's next for you? Like any sneak peeks? Anything you're working on? Um. Well,
1: we're in the process right now of interviewing some different rep groups out in the West. We've been trying to find representation, just because, you know, we do the Vegas show, but we want to find a permanent showroom space out there. We've talked to some different people and just trying to find the right fit. Um, we've been expanding our internal sales team here, which has been really great and exciting because it just means that we're marketing to more stores and trying to get our product in front of more people. We've been working, obviously, on new products and product designs. We have I have a top secret one um, that mm-hmm. we're working on, but it really just comes down to like how the rest of this year financially ends up being because it does require me buying some more equipment. And mm-hmm. as I said, equipment is very expensive. Yeah. Um, But other than that, we did just launch in summer for summer market back in over in Dallas, um, acrylic barware signs, like not barware signs, but like bar cart signs. And they're so cute. And they've been very, very popular. So if you have a store locally that um, buys from us, you may be seeing those pop up in their stores here soon because they're just really fun. Like my favorite one is it says five stars would drink here again. And it's got like five gold glitter stars across it. It's really cute. Um, The Please Leave by Nine is very popular. Uh, There's a super cute Christmas tree, which I know you'll love.
0: Yes.
1: Um, There's some really good ones.
0: So will they be on your website then soon too? They're going to be up on our website here probably the next week, yes. Okay, perfect. So speaking of that then, let everyone know what your website is, your social media handles, and all of that so they can follow along and shop. Yeah, so you can find us
1: at friendlily, like Lily, like a flower, press.com. So F R I E N D L I L Y press, P R E S S dot com. And then you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at friendlilypress
0: amazing thank you so much ashley this was so fun chatting with you i feel like i could talk to you like for hours and (laughs) have so much fun um so thank you for being here with me today thank you for having me i'm so excited thank you so much for listening to the preppy podcast i hope this put a little prep in your step for the day please subscribe rate and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the preppy podcast on social media